I started listening to a new podcast called No Stupid Questions, where a psychologist and a journalist, friends for years, grapple with all sorts of questions and wrestle with a range of answers to those questions. The host, Angela Duckworth, author of Grit, and Stephen Dubner, host of NPR's Freakonomics Radio, thought it would make a good podcast to share the banter they usually engage in as friends. Each episode starts with a question, and as both start talking, their question often leads to more questions. In one recent episode entitled, Is Incompetence a Form of Dishonesty?, Stephen Dubner's question relates to people who otherwise are good people, but are not competent at what they do professionally. He starts to talk about what it's like to witness said people when they are incompetent, and how they often seem devoid of any effort at wanting to improve or change. Dubner wants people who aren't doing good in their job to feel real discomfort about it. The implied message is that feeling bad can lead to change. He used himself as an example and said that when he screwed up at something, his process was threefold. He took it apart, he learned what he did wrong, and he learned a way to not let that same thing happen again. St. Paul may agree with some of Dubner's thinking, but feeling bad does not make change happen. If that were the case, the stomachache one may get from binge eating chocolate chip cookies or the hangover after drinking certain number of beverages would deter said behaviors. While Dubner was talking about professional competence, he is pointing out to something that Paul states in the Book of Romans. People may give up on themselves when they feel they can't do anything about what they are experiencing within or in the environment they are in. Paul's reflection on the human predicament in this lesson was related to what it meant that God dealt intently with human erring, with grace and compassion. Paul's soliloquized diatribe, as it reads in Romans, has tricked some readers into thinking, as one preacher has said, that this was Paul's attempt at taking a selfie, meaning he was trying to capture his own struggle. But what Paul seems to be suggesting in this text is that looking at what it means to be human will immediately lead one to the inner conflict that characterizes human existence. To put words to Paul's selfie, a modern translation reads as follows. Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. Could it be that Paul was troubled about not being good enough? The word sin makes its way throughout what Paul is saying, and perhaps the idea of not being good enough seems to make this text look like Paul's selfie. Sin in the text appears to be this conscious and unconscious disconnection from self, God, and others. Some thinkers for a while have feared that the moral decay of the world around us is because we don't talk about sin that much. Psychiatrist Carl Menninger wrote a book in the 70s about this called Whatever Became of Sin. Menninger contended that rationalizing behavior would eventually hold more weight than being responsible for immediate and collective accountability. And while I don't espouse the idea of obsessing with thinking about the many ways we can be wrong at times, nor do I subscribe to a theological framework that is driven by how bad we are, 
there is something about accountability that is important. Accountability is probably one of the most important life lessons we can learn as children and among the significant character traits indispensable in growing into mature human beings. But accountability isn't just about admitting our wrongdoings. It's also about taking inventory of one's responsibility to self and others. Taking responsibility is a spiritual discipline where we can go into the depths of ourselves and recognize that there is untapped potential. While wanting to succeed seems to be the American obsession, the moral expense of not taking into account our collective responsibility is putting into question what good is the success of some when the humanity of some bodies is left to be contended with. The pronounced social unrest of the last six weeks has not just been the last six weeks for some of us. And while I hear echoes of possibility and opportunity, I'm haunted by performative allyship that talks a good talk, but leaves unrepaired what it means to be a just society. Not a colorblind society, but a just one. Social media hashtags in the spirit of social consciousness has become a powerful tool. But if that's the only place insight brings us to, our performance will be a short run show. Perhaps the conflict which Paul speaks about is this wanting to be better, but knowing that insight would not be enough. Friends, knowing about oneself can only take us so far. Schools of psychotherapy once upon a time were built on gaining insight. If you knew more about yourself, of what made you tick, you'd be better. You'd feel better. But it was quite a self-centered intervention. And while it wasn't an instant cure, given that you had to talk your insight out in a professional trusting relationship, it was a first step. But gaining insight isn't enough. To know something and not do anything about it in a practical way doesn't generate transformation. It may actually just elicit shame or resistance. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, check your privilege, a short statement that is often used to elicit unexamined self-consciousness. One psychologist doesn't like this phrase because he states that it relies on public shame and guilt. I don't necessarily agree with him, but he does say something interesting, that positive morality, appealing to another person's sense of moral identity, can ensure deconstructing of oppression. He states, don't tell someone that they are responsible for living in a system that advantages them. Tell that person that there is moral dignity looking forward and taking responsibility for doing something about it. I would add that knowing that the system exists is important to recognize, but to know that you have a responsibility for those who live outside of that system of privilege is at the core of loving God and neighbor. Paul's writing engages us in a time like the one we are living in to think about how our inner conflict, our selfie, could actually lead our collective identity to freedom and justice. If we actually paid attention to our agency in making change happen. There are three things that I like about selfies, by the way. I get to notice what doesn't look okay. I get to change how that looks. And I get to do it more than once. The work of transforming the world around us involves us. And it's not a one day a week exercise. 
like a selfie, transformation of the world will require noticing ourselves and how we perceive others, finding untapped potential within, and constantly seeing God's grace at work in the world through us. It is continual. It takes courage, humility, and the willingness to listen more than to offer answers. Looking at ourselves is part of this process, but it can't stop there. In Ibram Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he writes, The original power of racism has not been solved by suasion. Knowledge is only power if knowledge is put to the struggle for power. Changing minds is not a movement. Critiquing racism is not activism. An activist produces power and policy change, not mental change. And we get all to be intentional at seeing transformation in the world happen. By coming to terms, not just with our inner conflict, but with our untapped potential to be changed and eventually see that change happen in the world around us. Yes, we are being invited to look within and God and our neighbor is inviting us to look around at our family, our neighborhood, our social circles, our church, and wrestle with what to do with the awareness that maybe everything isn't as okay as we thought. Angela Davis says, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world. And you have to do it all the time. While this seems heavy, there is something about this that also can produce rest. In the Gospel lesson, Christ makes the invitation that echoes to this age, to those who might feel burdened. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. But we can't settle on the promise of rest without grappling with the questions and wrestling with the answers that will bring said rest to our collective identity. Kendi writes, Neither failure nor success is written. The story of our generation will be based on what we are willing to do. Are we willing to endure the grueling fight against racist power and policy? Are we willing to transform the anti-racist power we gather within us to anti-racist power in our society? May we engage with the inner discomfort many of us are dealing with, not to quell its power, but to surrender to its might.